Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very, always very special episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you're with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we are delighted and blessed to be with you tonight. So we are rapidly approaching celebration of that great feast day of God with us. We'll have the very unique one week packed into a day of week four of Advent. And uh, folks, I want us to think tonight, we have a great guest that we're going to get to very quickly. But I want us to take a moment and think about some of the greatest heresies throughout the history of the church. And I think among those are one that says God is there and God is then and God is with them. The enemy whispering to you and me tonight, you know, God is there, some other place and God is then, some other time or maybe even last week or during that great adoration time that God is limited to that space and time or maybe even God is just with that group of people. The proclamation of Emmanuel is the opposite of all that. It is the pronunciation of the truth given to us by God himself declaring for you and me with whatever need that we have, whatever uh, poverty that we have, that he is the provision. He is here. He is now. And he is with us. And you're part of the us. He is with you. In your circumstances right now, he is with us. And so, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord God, we pray just that you flood us with your Holy Spirit and make us aware, Lord God, that you are so alive and you are so truly present to us. Beyond these words that we utter so easily that sometimes, God, you know that we feel that maybe it's just cliche or easy concepts, but awaken us to the truth of your present power in the midst of our circumstances. Lord, make us aware that you entered into the mess And you enter into our messes so that we will call upon you as the Messiah. We give you permission tonight, Lord God, to inhabit these these Bethlehem, these temples, these mangers, these smelly mangers sometimes that you've made to inhabit. We give you permission tonight, God. So much that it would uh, abundantly fill us and overflow to those around us. Lord, give us Emmanuel minds, give us Emmanuel hearts, give us Emmanuel desires, give us Emmanuel expectations, give us Emmanuel memories, give us Emmanuel imaginations. We ask all of this in your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Before we get to our awesome guest in this program tonight, a few quick commercials. Um, we want to join our prayers with those who are experiencing presence for Christmas right now at St. Peter's in Huron, Father Jeff Macbeth, and also um, to presence for Christmas's roots in Erie, Pennsylvania. They also are uh, adoring the Lord right now. And so we just unite our thoughts and prayers mm. with theirs. Very cool. Um, tomorrow, we invite you out to Holy Trinity Parish for an Ignite, which begins at 7 p.m. And there is also another opportunity for our um, fourth presence for Christmas at St. Joan of Arc mm. Church, which begins at 6.30. Um, the St. Vincent de Paul Food um, Pantry uh, will be the beneficiaries of any donations accepted uh, tomorrow night. So 6.30 St. Joan of Arc or another opportunity, Holy Trinity at 7 p.m. 
And we also want a little commercial again for the new year, January 13th. It's a Saturday. We are having our very first Lit Marriage Mission Retreat led by Father Nathan Cromley. We now have 120 folks signed up, well, 60 couples, and we're so excited because the unique... The unique mission of this, folks, is, yes, we need to look inside and reflect and work on communications and all these things. Absolutely. But it's meant to overflow. And often some of those things, those struggles that marriages have, are for lack of knowing that they have a mission. They've got a purpose. It's for lack of engaging in that mission. So Father Nathan shared that message with us. If you go to massimpact.us forward slash lit marriage, you'll hear that message that he delivered in our home on a Kingdom Builders evening. It's very moving. He's going to elaborate on that. January 13th, Saturday, registration is going to be cut off very, very soon. So we encourage you as a married couple, if you're looking for something different, if you're looking for, you know, a a, a sense of the spirit alive in your purpose as a married couple, just plan on making this day an awesome date day, nine in the morning to three in the afternoon, Saturday, January 13th, massimpact.us forward slash lit marriage. We hope you can join us. All right, we're going to shift real quickly here. Brother Peter Herbeck, all the way from the great north. How are you doing? Good. Good to be with you, too. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Greg. Hello, Peter. Thank you for joining us. Familiar to our guests, but just a quick introduction, Peter. uh, Author, speaker, movement leader extraordinaire, but uh, he's a very humble servant of God. Very blessed to know you, Peter, personally for five years probably now. And uh, just, you know, Peter, among other things, many gifts that you have, but you speak clarity, I think, to a world that can sometimes be very confusing. And you speak, speak hope. You know, you have a real grasp. You're not a Pollyanna. You get that, you know, there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of struggle. But uh, I've always been blessed by the times that we connect and how you speak, you know, clarity. And um, what I know you're going to share with us tonight, some real signs of hope for those who may, let's face it, they go to Mass, they're praying, they go to their conferences, and maybe in the depths of their heart, like the little old lady in the Wendy's commercial, where's the beef? They're kind of saying, you know, where's the power? You know, and, and I think yeah. <laughs> you've experienced, you've experienced and are experiencing that power. Power, and it is God with us. So, Peter, let's just start, you know, kind of right away. Give us a sense of, you know, amidst all of the, the richness of our faith um, and things playing out right now on the stage, what are, if you will, what comes first? What are some of the most important things that maybe we lose sight of as Catholics at this yeah. moment in history? Yeah, I think, uh, remember the reading, the, I'd like to start with the beautiful reading we had on Sunday, this past Sunday. You know, rejoice always. You know, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you, Paul tells us, right? And uh, maybe you've heard that passage many times, and it sounds nice, but I thought to myself, we ask ourselves all the time, what is God's will for me? Mm. And right there is a very concrete place. A lot of people say, I don't know what God's will is for me. So, you know, that's the starting, that's a great starting point to lay hold of God's will. You know, what does God want me to do? He wants me to rejoice always, to pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. Then we stop and say, well, yeah, that sounds nice, but it seems kind of unrealistic. I mean, there's not, a lot of times there's not much to rejoice in. Circumstances can be really difficult, can try to rob us of our joy and our capacity to respond faithfully. That's got me thinking a lot about uh, the apostles. I'm reading a great book by uh, Pope Benedict XVI called Jesus, the Apostles, in the Early Church. And mm-hmm. a numbers of, number of books on the apostles I've been reading, because after reading their letters over and over again, I noticed how they got to a point where the circumstances of life 
did very little to dictate for them the state of their heart and mind mm-hmm. in relationship to God. And I thought, but it's a lot different than me. <laughs> they're, they're, they were able to live with a clear understanding, despite the circumstances and challenge of life, that the most important thing happening in their life is not what they're supposed to do for God or how all their plans are supposed to work out, but the most important thing is to know what God did for me, mm. what God has done for us. You know, and that's what the readings these past Sundays, and this is what Advent's kind of all about, to see the larger picture and to remember, you know what, for God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, He gave it for you and for me. And what the, the greatest desire of my heart, the fulfillment of my heart's desire for the baptized, for someone who's become a follower of Jesus, it's already begun. Mm-hmm. That I've received literally a share in Jesus' eternal inheritance in, in the glory of God the Father, and it will never be taken away from me. Mm-hmm. Nobody can take it away. The love of God has been poured into my heart. And it's not just a feeling, it's a fact. Because mm-hmm. the feelings kind of come and go, right? But the apostles were able to lay hold of it as a fact, and the circumstances of their life and their capacity to understand those circumstances completely changed. They were able to see reality in their daily lives with a different optic. And that's an optic I want to run after, I want to lay hold of, because that's something that God wants to give all of us so that we can live right here, right today, with a profound trust and a, and a, and a, a contagious joy. Again, not just bubbly feelings, but a deep, grounded joy that the greatest thing that, will, that could ever happen in my life has already begun. And my life is headed for fulfillment beyond my wildest imagining. The Bible says more than anybody can even ask or think, God's plan is unfolding in me now. And the saints saw it too, you know. Even no matter what kind of suffering and trial and difficulty they went through, disappointment, uh, they knew deep inside a, a peace, a joy, a confidence, a security, and an identity and trust that's rooted in an understanding of what God has done for me, the facts of my own salvation. So that's been really on the forefront of my heart and mind. And thanks for letting me talk about it a little bit, because usually people ask me other kinds of questions. Well, that's and, awesome, Peter. Uh, that's what's burning in my heart. And, so, you know, that's, the, that's what makes us contagious. That's what makes us attractive to people, too. It's like a, it's like a, uh, you know, a secondary thing, or what do you call it, it's a byproduct. Uh, but living with that understanding changes us, changes our outlook. People look different to us. Life looks different to us. It's Like you said earlier, it's not Pollyannish. Mm. But that joy is honestly what every human being was made to have mm. and everybody longs for, and most of us are seeking it in all the wrong places. And partly because they don't see it very much, right? Yes. Mm. And this is what we're meant to be, and the Lord really wants... I'm trying to just battle in my life to say, I'm going to stand on that truth. He's doing it in me. He wants it for me, and he's giving it to me. And that's the thing I most want to live in for the rest of my life. You know, so Peter, I'm fired up. You can help me out. I'm, yeah. I'm fired up by hearing your voice, uh, and, and and not just because you're quote unquote delivering. It's not theatrical. I'm fired up because I know you, and I know that you you yeah. are a serious disciple of Jesus, and you've shared with me some of your journey. And uh, of course, your children are have already navigated through uh, the under the if you will. Uh, 
out of the, they're already out of the nest. So you've already navigated the parenting thing, and they're all doing really well, which is very compelling to me as our kids. You know, now one is in college, and we've got five others. So you've been really journeying here. You were part of a Christian community early on, and you're in your 20s, and um, you've been at it for a while. So I know that the things that you're saying are compelling and real and alive, and it's compelled the totality of your life. But i got to throw a hardball question at you. So I am convicted by everything you're saying, and I know I stand to be more convicted. Let me just say that. I stand to all the more to be animated by the Holy Spirit to receive more. There are many right now who perhaps have been from conference to conference or read the books or watched EW10 have heard this um, you know, conviction that God is truly with us, that he wants to transform our lives, that what he has done for us is powerful and present. But perhaps they haven't found in their lives, they haven't been able to navigate from fan to follower. They haven't been able to navigate, if you will, from that conviction to sort of the lived reality. Maybe it's they're, they're mired with their family circumstances or, or whatever. But as you've experienced maybe um, that that's where much of the church is at, that they maybe know on their heads or at some mm-hmm. point they're animated during a retreat, you know, what advice or encouragement can you give to those of us who are just yearning for it to come, these truths that you profess so powerfully to truly come alive? What does that take? Well, it takes a variety of things. I think one, one is it, it uh, Scripture is very clear, you know, knock, seek, hunger, thirst. So starting point for us, this is one of the things the enemy, the devil wants to take away from us is, he wants, through discouragement, despair, and the rest, he wants to drain our capacity or our desire to pursue it and to kind of either get discouraged or cynical, ultimately tries to get us to despair. Mm. And I think, you know, beginning where the Lord asks us to begive, just keep hungering, just keep thirsting, uh, just keep seeking. Mm. And seeking through what? Through His Word, through the ministry of the Church, through fellowship, through the kind of things you're doing in something like Mass Impact. I know you're not asking me to do a commercial here, but Thank what you. we need is... We need, you know, three fundamental things when we say we want to become a disciple. And somebody described it to me the other day in a way that was simple for me. I'm a simple guy. He showed me an image, a shape of a triangle. And at the tip of the triangle, it said, he put the word up, bottom right corner, he wrote in, and the other corner, he wrote out. And I said, well, what's that? Mm. He said, this, these are the rhythms of the life of Jesus. Mm. This is where the Holy Spirit wants to take you. And I'm saying, okay. Help me understand a little bit more. He said the secret to being able to, to touch the grace that the Lord is after is to follow him into the pattern of life he lived. He lived up. What? Relationship with the Father. That was first. Prayer. Daily prayer. Praying God's Word. Praying with others. Coming together. In. What's in? In's community. In, in's the body of Christ. In's walking with other people who, uh, like me, like you, have days where we hit the wall or times in our life where we carry very serious burdens. I was just talking to a brother from down in your area who's battling, you know, stage four cancer. Mm -hmm. Great brother. And he's walking step by step, and he's got loving people around him. And just to listen to him inspires me, how he's trying to walk with God through the midst of that. But he's got to decide for it every day. And some days it's not so easy, but he's living in community. He's living with other brothers and sisters that are as serious as he is, about following Jesus, and they can give him the support he needs when he needs to be lifted up, and he's being loved and encouraged mm-hmm. by people around him. And the out is what? It's reaching those who don't know Christ. It's having a mission. And living in that rhythm and asking the Lord, how can I step into that? Where can I find a people in my parish, in my area, that are, are living in this way or seeking to live this way? It's a really important piece because we can easily get isolated. 
What the enemy wants to do is isolate us and isolate us in our problems, isolate us in our, create a feeling like we're alone, that really there is no one here to care for me. I can't get through the difficulties and circumstances I'm in. And we're meant to live in community, mm. and we're meant to be a community on mission. So, what, you know, what I did when I was younger, through the help of other people, I knew what I, I knew I couldn't live this alone, and I knew I was not a very strong guy. I had lived patterns, habit patterns of sin, st- foolishness, a lot of stupidity, wasn't thinking about what really mattered in life, and I built patterns within me and kind of deep grooves within me that were not helpful and did not lead me to the Lord, and I needed help. And so I just said, look, I just want to be around people who want to go all in because I need help. Mm. I can't get there on my own. And I just got a lot of great help and advice from people who invited me into their lives and said, "Let's, I, we want to live this too. And so those elements, daily prayer, going for it no matter how you feel, deciding for it, and then beginning to relate to God's promises as promises for you. When, you. when you get familiar with what God's promised, and you realize life isn't about daily feelings and daily highs, but it's laying hold of the facts. Amen. It's laying hold of the truth. It's laying hold of my unchangeable identity. And, you know, God's grace the wisdom and ministry of the church and community and fellowship really helped me believe that and live in that. Awesome. So uh, this is stuff that just came to my mind and heart. I'm trying to describe no, that's to you. Great. That's sort of great. That's great. So how it's worked in my life. It, it doesn't hardly work anywhere else. And mm-hmm. it can work for anybody. I think about my mom. You know, my mom died a couple of years ago, three, three years ago or so now at 93. Didn't hardly leave the house. She was in a walk. She had a walker. Uh, and she lived in the joy of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was daily in the Word of God. She was read, She did all three mysteries of the rosary every day. She opened her house to, to the many dozens and dozens of grandkids that were coming in and out of her house all the time. Awesome. She still could cook for them. She could still love them. And if you asked her, she was a she was a woman on a mission. She and Our Lady, you know, the Immaculate Heart of Mary and Sacred Heart of Jesus, she was living it to the end. Mm-hmm. And she was radiant with joy. Wow. She battled cancer. We had dysfunctions in our family. She went through so many battles, and she was a warrior. And uh, I think about her often. You know, she didn't go to the other side of the world. Grandma she Herbeck, barely left the hometown she was born in. You know? Grandma so, Herbeck, pray for us. I just, Yeah, no kidding. Just resounding the, the word joy, just that image, and, you know, through whatever circumstances and grounded in those things that you had spoken of earlier, Peter, and the one thing that you did say also was we see so few examples of that, and that's so true, right? Yeah. And how how can we commit to live that, to be that, and, yeah. you know, ah, just inspiring, because that's what it comes down to. That's the real deal. Yeah. That's the real deal. That's what the world is hungry for also. I want to shift gears to something, because uh, I think many of us and our listeners right now have experienced maybe God alive in circumstances, God alive in our small groups, God alive in that great mass, hopefully God alive in the in, you know, praise and worship, whatever the case may be. But we're yearning to see a breakout that corresponds to the prayer the Lord gave us, thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on mm-hmm. earth as it is in heaven. Like, why would God ask us, Jesus, teach us to pray something without providing the means to fulfill it? And truthfully, as you read the paper, you know, we're, we're looking in the secular space to see this break out. And there's a lot going on in the world, like you see a lot of discouragement. But what, what truly, I don't know, energized me with hope, and obviously we hang on to the hope, we hang on to the promise, we hang on to the revelation, we seek that grace so that it does overflow, and that is happening, yes. But you called me a couple weeks ago, um, you were off the plane or had just come home from Brazil, and you were so yeah. you were so stoked, and I was just so mm-hmm. attuned to you sharing w- w- with with excitement, with conviction that th- that there's something happening there. And again, for our listeners, yeah. you know, Peter, I invite him to share it with us in a moment. Just be mindful that God isn't just pouring it out specially in one location. We have an example of a unique set of circumstances of people that are open to an outpouring that is always pressing in on us. But anyways, you shared with me sort of a kind of a civil. Uh, in a secular wide phenomena of the grace coming alive there. Share with us what you experienced in Brazil. Yeah. I'd like to, let me, if you don't mind, I'd like to put in a little bit of a context. Please you know, do. There was a, a two month period there where I was, month and a half, where I was in China first and was with uh, some amazing Catholic priests and lay people from all around the country who are in part of the underground church, the. Uh, Wow. Which is, doesn't mean they're like literally living underground, but it means that they're not, uh, their bishop and the priests have decided not to become part of the official government organization that's trying to govern the church. It's called the Patriotic Association. And uh, meeting clandestinely for Mass, and then one morning being in an apartment, uh, we found our way to this apartment, and the priest came in, he was dressed in street clothes, it was all very hush-hush, very quiet, there were just only about 15 of us in there, very simple apartment, and this priest, beautiful religious order priest, uh, it, was, it was one of the most beautiful masses I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. We had uh, one Chinese family, we had a group of singles, we had a couple Americans, there were some handicapped and, and mentally uh, handicapped children there, and it was we were quietly worshiping the Lord so no one could see it. And at the moment of the consecration, I'm sitting there, and he's praying the words from east to west, a perfect offering may be made to the glory of your name. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking right here in, in the mm-hmm. east in China, a place where the secular government is literally trying to choke off the life of the church mm-hmm. and control it. It can't do it. And the more it tries, the more God touches people's hearts. It's an amazing thing to see. And uh, living in under constant oppression, I was so moved by the joy. I was so moved by the courage of priests that I met, mm. uh, the hunger and the thirst and the heroic faith that's there. Uh, it, was, it was just beautiful. And then I, I come home and I land, and the next day I had to go to Wyoming, to the mountains of Wyoming, and give a retreat to a bunch of cowboys on top of a mountain out in Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. Tobacco chewing from cowboys. East to west. About going from, from east to west. And the right? same thing, a nice. priest is holding up a host. You know, having mass on this mountain in Texas, and I'm kneeling there. I've got I've got severe jet lag, and uh, yes. I'm just kind of caught. And all of a sudden, it hits me, and I go, "Holy cow!" Now I'm in the West with a bunch of cowboys, <laughs> and they're all on their knees, and they're all crying out to God for help, and we're receiving the body, soul, divinity of Jesus Christ, and and it's happening. And then two weeks later, Debbie and I go to Brazil, and uh, I, I I just am to this moment, still fascinated and inspired so deeply by the church in Brazil. Mm. The church is, it's got the largest Catholic population of any country, about 130 million. Wow. It's 
it's not perfect because there's no place on the earth where any church, the Catholic Church has been perfect at any time in mm-hmm. any place. So mm-hmm. I just want to put it in that context. But I have to tell you what I saw and what I touched. I went to four different locations, Debbie and I, to four communities that are at the basis, Catholic communities at the basis of four national television networks. And the television networks are just, you know, part of what they do. But I met a priest who, in uh, a Jesuit priest, is almost 80 years old right now. His name is Father Ed Doherty. And Father Ed uh, was born in Louisiana. And uh, after he became a young priest, he was sent to Brazil on mission. And then shortly after that, he's visiting home in the United States, and a friend takes him up to Williamston, Michigan, which is right near Lansing. Mm. And there was a leaders meeting of, of, the, of this young thing, this growing thing called the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Mm. And he goes there, and he's a very bright, you know, gifted guy. And he gets prayed with for just more of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in his life. And Ralph Martin was one of the guys who prayed over it. Wow. So what I'm working with now for all these years, well, he goes back to Brazil, and his heart is so aflame with love. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Brazil was steeped in uh, liber- liberation theology, which was not, it was a horizontal direction. It was mm-hmm. politicized. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going in the right direction in many ways. And he tells his Jesuit superior he feels called to share his experience anywhere he can in the country. So for the next 15 years, this guy single-handedly traveled almost the entire country on flight after flight, and he just went and he shared the basic gospel with people, God's love, God's desire to give him more of his Holy Spirit, and he established prayer groups and leadership centers and one thing after another. Praise God. And now what you see when you're there, and I heard this in every location I went to, his, the reason I'm telling his story is every place I went, his, I'd say to folks, how, how is this happening and what's happening? Well, um, I would say my experience of the church in Brazil is it might be the most um, fully uh, engaged laity in terms of their passion for the life and the sacraments of the church. It's like an intensely Marian, Eucharistic, hmm. uh, in many ways charismatic and at the same time, missionary. Those four elements I saw, and I touched all over the place. Awesome. Marian, Eucharistic, charismatic, that is wide open to the grace of the new Pentecost, and missionary. And the kinds of attendance they get at things. For example, I, I, we're driving to one of these radio stations in a different town, not Father Ed's place, but a different place in a city called Curitiba. And I got a text from the director. The producer said, we'd like you to give a talk on our live show tonight on healing from a Catholic perspective, and then to pray for people. They had a 1,000 people in studio wow. live, okay? Wow. And That's they had awesome. a wonderful priest leading it, a dynamic guy, and they did adoration a little bit. It was a little bit like what you guys do on Ignite nights, mm-hmm. you know, the nights mm-hmm. when you pray and have exposition and stuff. So I did my preaching. We prayed, and it was a beautiful night, 90 minutes there together. The next morning, Debbie and I come back uh, to film a show, with a host on Family Life, and the producer from the night before comes and said, hey, the numbers came in from last night, yet just over six million people watched the show. <laughs> God I be said, praised. What? Six million people? And he said, yeah, yeah. Said, oh, praise you know, God, that's our, awesome. Many of our evening live shows get the same amount of people watching as top secular television wow. in the country. Wow. And these guys preach the gospel. I mean, they are, those shows are alive, and they're animated, and they're they're uh, they're just really really good, 
So uh, that's one example. There's some key priests, for example, there's a priest named Father Reginaldo Monzati, who um, is a very popular priest in the country. He's just a solid, orthodox guy who's very alive in the Holy Spirit, very clear about the gospel. Again, he's one of these guys who's leading the church in this whole way of being Marian, Eucharistic, Charismatic, and, and missionary. Uh, he sent me a video just recently of a, a mission he did on a beach in, uh, in uh, Brazil, and they had over one million people attending the thing. Wow. And it's amazing how the response, they have 1,600 radio stations in a television network that he began with seed money his father gave him just before his father died. He turned around and he gave it all to establishing a new television and radio center to reach people across the country. 1,600 radio stations, and they mobilized for this one event over a million people, and they had a helicopter shot of the whole thing. It looked like a papal visit. Wow. It was just just a mass of people. Um, And the prayer and the devotion, it was just so enriching. And many of the young priests in the country, and they've got lots of them, are young men who have been touched by people like Father Ed Doherty and like this other priest, and there's, they have tremendous conviction. Uh, and just listening to them preach and lead their people, I thought, wow, we've got a lot back home to learn from these guys. They're so bold, and there's such a high level of engagement and uh, such a wonderful integration of all the elements of the church. People are not broken off into factions like, you know, the Marian people over here and the charismatic people over here and the Opus Dei people over here. It's like a a deeply integrated Mm -hmm. work of the Holy Spirit in the country. And I just was so enriched by what we saw. Uh, You know, divine mercy is very big there. But some of the meetings I went to, we preached at what they told me was the largest weekly attendance at a um, uh, divine mercy shrine anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. So they've got like almost 4,000 people coming every week to an event uh, at this this uh, divine mercy shrine. And I'm standing there; it's packed wall to wall. They got people hanging out the window or hanging, you know, peeking in the windows and standing outside trying to get in because the facility's not quite big enough. And I look out and I saw as many men as I saw women. I saw as many young men as I saw young women, which is a really different thing. Right. You know, here in the States, generally, the numbers are, what, three to one or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, women to men, which I'm so grateful for the women doing it, but there's a high level of engagement of men there, and I, I was just deeply inspired by that. Right. And uh, so there's a lot I could say, but that's what I saw, and uh, I want to go back. I want to go back not only to help with some things, but I want to go back just to get built up and strengthened. That's awesome. Peter, do you get a, yeah. do you get a sense um, statistically how maybe that culture of faith uh, translates into things like divorce, abortion, you know, contraception? You know, how, how is it affecting families? Is, was there any, did you do any research into that or have any indication of the practical? Well, I, I mean, I'd say they, you know, the, I heard this anecdotally from talking to priests and others. I mean, in the major centers like Sao Paulo and Rio and places like that, um, they're, they're experiencing the same kind of struggle that we're experiencing here or Canadians are experiencing. So, uh, th- th- you know, those are, those are intensely secular cities. And, uh, but most of Brazil is, is uh, 
smaller towns, and uh, and the church is the center of the life of a lot of people. Their, their life is gathered around the life of the church, and so there's a they're poorer. There's a lot of poorer people there than there are here, of course. Uh, but one of the things that's interesting that hit me, I was there the week they celebrated the 300th anniversary of a parasita, it's called, which is Marian mm. Miracle, when 300 years ago, these simple fishermen in a small village were fishing, and they pulled out, they found this statue at the bottom of this river of Our Lady, and they ended up keeping it, and then all of a sudden, uh, they began to uh, have a devotion to Our Lady, and all kinds of miracles and signs and wonders mm. and things began to happen, and now it's the center of the national shrine of the country. Wow. And the Thursday, Thursday, the 12th of October, I was there, and that's the whole country. Literally, politicians of every shape and size, and all the bishops, and everybody, they go to a parasite. It's a national holiday where the whole country, or a huge part of the country, is praying and thanking Our Lady. It's interesting, this is a Portuguese-speaking country. And then the next day was the 100th anniversary of Fatima. Mm-hmm. And that's a Portuguese-speaking country. And Our Lady has, uh, those two countries have a tremendous devotion to Our Lady, mm-hmm. to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And in many places in the country, in Brazil that I saw, family life is, is, is still intact, and it's still the foundational building block mm-hmm. for much of the life of the Church. And that's very important. Um, so... I mean, that doesn't really answer your question exactly, but I could just tell you that's some of what I saw. Yeah, it's really interesting. I did a quick little research here, and so who knows? I mean, some major sources. uh, You know, it's evident that they do, as you indicated, have a lot of the same struggles. It looks like evangelicals have grown 61% in 10 years. And even, you Mm -hmm. know, sort of the smaller church phenomena also that we're experiencing maybe, I don't like the word polarization, but maybe um, an increase in intentionality that those as they experience the culture becoming all the more intent, you know, all the more faithful, all the more devout. Um, they they've certainly looks like they've lost some Catholics in the last couple of years, but you're describing a light. You're describing a, um, a courage that, um, let's face it, we all applaud when we see our, our church leaders, which includes us, lay people, everybody's called to, to be in the prophetic ministry of Christ. But when we see priests and bishops in particular communicate with clarity and communicate with passion this what God has done for us and invite us to that kind of transformed relationship, that's what really kind of struck me, that, and that that's happening, if you will, over the media, that you have six million people who tune in to hear somebody communicate that is uh, definitely an encouragement, I think, to all of us to not hold back. I mean, why wait? Yeah, why, wait I, why wait to communicate these truths when people are starving for them? Yeah, and there really is a hunger there and a, and a kind of youthfulness in the church there, too, which was great to see. And I'd say one of the things that encourages me, and I just have great confidence. It doesn't matter where we go. Last year we did 41 international missions in like 37 different countries, something like that. And every place we go where Catholics are all in, and that is really seeking the Lord, uh, coming together, wanting to build communities of missionary disciples, uh, where families are coming together and it's their top priority to follow the Lord you know, in the church, life is happening. Mm-hmm. Life is happening. The kingdom of God is breaking forth. Yeah. It doesn't matter what country, how difficult, doesn't matter if it's in an atheist country like China or a very Catholic country like Brazil, uh, where people are hungering and thirsting for the Lord, and they're willing to make sacrifices, significant sacrifices of their time, 
their talent, their treasure, to preserve what God's given and to grow in what God has given to them and to live out the call to discipleship, uh, life happens. Very contagious, actually. And so I'm confident that uh, it makes me think of, uh, what is it, G.K. Chesterton line, you know, uh, it's not so much that people have tried, you know, living the life of the church and uh, it's failed or something mm-hmm. like that. They found it lacking. They found it difficult and decided not to do it. You know what I mean? Something like that. Do I have that right? Yeah, no, yeah, right yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I want to pivot here a second. So just, uh, folks, blessed to have you with us tonight. Greg and Stephanie Schleter over Ignite Radio Live. We're blessed to have Peter Herbeck sharing with us really a powerful message of what God has done for us and, and the hope and the joy that it ought to give us. And to keep seeking if we're struggling with that, that it's being poured out, it's pressing in on us. And open the doors. He's sharing with us his experience of the, ch- the church in China, the underground church, if you will, the Patriotic Association. Folks whose lives are literally on the line and the power of being in the Mass there in the East and then coming in the West and then sharing with us his experience in Brazil of a courageousness and communicating the Gospel. And these four elements of Marian, Eucharistic, Charismatic, and Missionary, which, uh, for our listeners, folks, you, you know, we may struggle with this, but we aren't adjectival Catholics, such-and-such such Catholic or such-and-such such Catholic. We're about being the fullness of what God revealed for us to be. And it includes these qualities, Marian, Eucharistic, Charismatic, Missionary. And just pivoting now, you mentioned the family. Um, because I think everyone who's listening right now, there's not a single person who doesn't recognize, who doesn't desire their family to be a, a, a culture of encounter, a culture of their children more fully, authentically knowing Jesus. For their kids to get more than just, if you will, religious hoops that they jump through, but to encounter Christ in a relevant real, alive way. And I think maybe, as we've experienced it with families, um, they know it, but there's a fear factor. Or there's maybe they've surrendered uh, dad's authority in, in welcoming, or they don't know themselves how to invite you know their family to come together to talk and pray. Folks who are listening know that this has been a constant theme of ours. Just spend 45 minutes a week. Put the flag in the sand. Trust in God. Set aside the gadgets and the devices and open the door and see what God's grace can do. And increasingly we've had the testimonies along with you Peters, you're talking about this, testimonies of marriages and families that have literally been transformed by leaning into this in spite of awkwardness, in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our, in spite of our shortcomings, to open the door to grace using this live it gathering guide. I'm not making a commercial here. I think any kind of gathering. But I want to ask you, Peter, share with us in your experience, how important is this family dynamic that God has given us? And what encouragement might you give to the grandmas and grandpas and the moms and dads out there to kind of lean into it and maybe more fully claim their family culture for Christ. Yeah. Well, before I say, consider some practicals on that, I just want to share uh, that the journey as a couple, um, as a husband and wife, at the center of this this journey with the Lord, where two become one flesh and we're of one heart, every couple who's listening, you know how it's filled with joys and sorrows and ups and downs and struggles and death and life and all the good stuff and all the challenges. I just want to say, I mean, I'm 59, and, uh, you know, just this last weekend, Debbie and I were, were, were uh, empty nesters now. You know, we've got five grandkids and entered into that wonderful phase of life. And I'll be darned if every phase of life doesn't have mm. its challenges, you know? <laughs> yep. 
And and we're sitting there, you know, having a conversation. We had a beautiful but a really hard conversation, you know, in our kitchen, the two of us, um, trying to talk, trying to be, even after all these years, trying to talk about how we feel deep down inside about certain issues in our marriage, you know. And the fear, even now at times, of intimacy or the fear of, exposing our hearts and deep feelings you know it's just so crazy we're so fragile mm. right and uh Thanks. you know we had tears we had joy you know and frustrations and i said look i anyway i don't need to go into all kinds of detail i'm just saying it's, it's beautiful it's I love simultaneously challenging and if we're willing to keep going with jesus to go deeper because he's trying to teach us how to love mm. you know and i i'm I tell Debbie, said, honey, sometimes I feel like I haven't ever loved anybody. You know what I mean? Like, I, not the way Jesus wants me to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's exaggeration, I think, but you feel it inside. And, mm-hmm. I, and you just cry with an ache and say, Jesus, before I get off this planet, I really want to love the way you loved. Mm-hmm. And I know he's made progress in my life awesome. on that. And I know that my wife can even testify to it. But I'm just saying this journey is for us um, not only big highs and big joys, but it's a veil of tears and everything in between, and the king's with us the whole way, and he never wastes a moment. It all matters, and just leaning into him, and I'm just thinking, you know, at 59 as a man, uh, some of the best things that happened to me this last year is I've had moments where I just cried, you know, in prayer. I just had this ache inside of just things in me that are still broken, that still need healing, that are maybe never going to get healed until, you know, until we get to, he- until I get to heaven or go through purgatory or whatever. But I know he's going to heal. But the Lord just wants, to, wants me to be free to cry out to him mm. and to be free before him. You know, and I think a lot of times people don't, people feel alone and they have a hard time growing in the Lord because they don't know how to be themselves with the Lord, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I, I don't know. Peter, you just evangelized oh. the heck out of me and Amy. us and all who yes. are listening just by giving us permission to, in your transparency, in your vulnerability. And honestly, I mean, I'm with you. Every word that you just said, I, I can echo myself in my recent life. And people who may right look at us and think, well, that's the Herbex or whatever, that's the Schleter. They, they do this and they have these rad- radical faith-producing machines. They don't maybe see under the hood like you say, the veil of tears or the struggles with children or in ourselves looking in the mirror and the challenge that we face. And honestly, I think it's a big permission for everybody to what? To be who God made us to be in the mess. Because he entered yeah. the mess and he's part yeah. of the mess. And the season is all about a pronouncement of God's loving us so much that he, that he wanted to encounter us in the mess. Uh, which is, yeah, it's like, I told Debbie, I said, honey, this sounds so weird on Sunday, so it, this is, I feel like, such a wreck, but this is so good. Amen. This, is just, right? this is just exactly where I want to be, you know, because oh, I don't have any masks on at this moment, mm. you know, and I'm not, I'm not pretending, or you know what I mean, or holding yeah. it all together. Mm. This is just where I'm at, you know. Mm. And uh, anyway, I just felt like it was a precious gift. It's just as valuable as being in Brazil or in China or anywhere else, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, and I think that, going back to your original question, I think that was a journey that uh, Debbie and I tried to live out with our kids, and we did it to you know a greater or lesser degree, like to live our life in the open, in the Lord, with our children, and help lead them 
into loving a living God who loves us just where we are and um, and just kind of normally living it out day to day and living with Jesus as the love of our life and praying together and trying to bring our children each day into praying with us. And sometimes when they were young, it was really easy to do that. Then they hit certain ages in mm. junior high and high school, and it was really hard to do it. Yeah. And uh, we had to be creative and we had, but I, as a dad, had to insist on it, and we're going to keep doing it because he's here. And uh, I had this, I was talking to a group of dads not long ago, and I was thinking about Fatima, and I was so touched by the 100th anniversary and how different God is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole world's about to go into two, two of the biggest wars in the history of the world, and the whole world is struggling, and, and God comes to do something about it. What does he do? He sends an angel to talk to three little children who are illiterate, and they have no power, they have no influence. And he says, basically, I have need of you. And the first thing the angel does is he says, Jesus and Mary, you know, he says, Jesus and Mary have a mission for you. Mm. But before they come to speak to you, I want to teach you how to pray. And I, I just, when I thought about this, and I heard the story again, I heard it before, but this time it touched me so deeply. The angel gets on his knees and bows down and puts his forehead on the ground. And you guys know the prayer well, as many of your listeners do. But it's so beautiful. It's so simple. You know, Father, my Father, you know, God, my Father, I love you. I adore you. I hope in you. No, I believe in you. I adore you. I I hope in you, and I love you, and I pray for all those who don't believe in you, don't adore you, don't hope in you, and don't love you. And I told Dad, I said, you know, if you've never led your family in prayer, here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to follow the children. Mm-hmm. Follow the children of Fatima. What do you mean? What I mean is, pull your kids together, you know, in your living room, light a candle if you want or whatever, and just say, kids, you know what? The Lord's teaching me some things, and one of the things He's teaching me is I haven't done a very good job leading the family in prayer, and I want to change that. And you know what? I don't exactly know how to do it but I know how the children of Fatima did it, and let's start there. Let's all get on our knees, and Dad, you get on your knees, and let's all put our forehead on the ground, and let's just pray those exact prayers. It'll take you, to do it three times, it'll take you 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Start there, mm-hmm. if that's all you think you can do. But start to be honest and to humble yourself and to let your kids see what you love and what you long for. Mm-hmm. Let them see your heart. Let them touch your heart. Let them touch your vulnerability before God, and you stay on that path every day, and you follow the Lord and watch the Lord bring people into your life like Greg and Stephanie and other people like that to help you go deeper. And if you stay on that path, your kids will come. They might jump off the road a little bit now and then, but they'll follow you. Mm-hmm. And it's just such an important thing to keep in mind. You know? awesome. So and it's just a thought. Wow, Peter, what an awesome uh, just encouragement, honesty, transparency, testimonial, and uh, folks, uh, just a mini, if you will, commercial to, to all of you that uh, we are um, together simply wanting to take these steps. None of us are experts. None of us, you know, have any special knowledge or, or wisdom, but God is pouring out his grace if we take that little step and uh, open that door to leading our families. And we find that when we do that, 
Um, fa- expect two things. Expect grumping before. <laughs> really, Dad? We're going to do what? <laughs> you know, I mean, expect it. Expect it. It's, it's out of the blue. Expect that you're going to f- experience uh, judgments, spoken or unspoken, of being a hypocrite, or why are we doing this, or why do we got to jump through hoops? You expect every reservation and doubt and fear you could possibly imagine. Number two, expect that like Peter stepping on the water, and almost exactly, if you do that, you'll be sustained looking at Jesus, and they will thank you for it. You know, if you do it humbly, if, if you bring them together humbly and open the door to that kind of prayer, and even in our, you know, our case, we talk about these five questions, maybe even a step back. You know, hey, folks, let's go around. What's a victory from your day? What's a challenge from your day? Um, who's somebody that you're really grateful in your family? What's something new or meaningful in your family that's going on? Um, Peter, so you're looking to a new year. What are your thoughts as you're praying into this new year? Uh, what are your thoughts about some important things that maybe as a community of believers, you're up the road from us. We've been blessed to have you be part of a lot of different events. A lot of exciting things are happening. I know Renewal Ministries has a lot of great wheels turning. What's your sense of what to look for in 2018 that you think we should be maybe united in particular in praying for? Well, I think, uh, I, I do think our country... Um, is and the church is in a time of, you know, great challenge, spiritual challenge. I think our country is adrift in many ways spiritually, and it, it, it continues to become more that way. I think the Lord's permitting it to happen. He wants He's pruning the church in the midst of it, and what He wants us to do is to is to get, uh, you know, the, the, I keep thinking of Matthew six: seek first the kingdom of God and His way of holiness. And everything will be added unto you. And I think what the what, what every parish community needs to see, what every diocese, what every town and village is is men and women who are seeking God first. Mm. My hope is not in the new tax plan. <laughs> My hope is not in who the new politician is. My hope is in the Lord and and a people who live with Jesus at the center. Because remember the promise He put there. He said, "Seek first the kingdom." And his way, his way of living, seek that first, and everything else will be added unto you. Mm. I was just thinking um, how faithful the Lord is over time. I was talking yesterday with a a man from Duluth who's sponsoring a men's conference that I'm speaking at. And I had this idea of bringing my youngest daughter along, who's actually going to be in Duluth at the same time I'm there, to come by the men's conference and give part of the talk, one of my talks there with me. She's 23, just graduated from college. And for us to do like interview together and talk about our relationship, and I think, wow, I had when she was in high school, she and I had some really difficult times and big challenges and mm-hmm. communication and difficulty. And I remember the Lord saying, "Just keep seeking me first. Mm-hmm. Just confess your brokenness before me. Trust me. You know, keep loving your daughter day by day." And now I look back and I think, "Holy cow." I just if you'd have told me that when she was a freshman and sophomore in high school, <laughs> high school what where she's at now and what we're going to be able to do together forget it I just would have thought it was impossible and I kept thinking I'm a failure as a dad or I just can't communicate we're the hoot and um, <laughs> and I wanted to give up at times and uh, and it was the most enriching relationship and it remains today we're very very close and. Uh, it's a God thing. That's and awesome. Just staying faithful to God, you know, mm-hmm. and so just what you have to want to give up, or you know. Uh, so anyway, that's not very coherent. Great plan no, it for is. 2018, Absolutely. but you know. 
I, so. I could I could replay that, of course, with my daughters, and sometimes my boneheadedness even before going into a, a parish mission or something. You know the enemy, you know this. The enemy starts to attack oh, yeah. you, and if you're not on guard, it is just stunning. And we've known this from teams uh, years uh, gone by, pre-Cana, people, married couples that are part of our team, on the way, get in an uncanny, odd argument, and they come in with a cloud yeah. over their heads. But, I mean, with kids in yeah. particular, you know, I mean, I can look in the mirror and say, you know, I, I was duped. I allowed my Myself, not in the good sense of God duping me, but the enemy planting little things that were agitating that I, I didn't have the prudence in t- days gone by to act upon. And, would, and they're going to be speaking, my kids, my daughters or whatever. But now to see as they're getting older, um, just now they're evangelizing me in many ways and God's grace alive in them and to see the things they're doing. I'm speaking particularly my oldest daughter, second year of Ave Marie and the wonderful things that she's doing. And the growth together is, is really fabulous. Peter, we've got a little bit of time here. I want you to... Um, Maybe share with us, and let's lead into a, just a moment of prayer, and I'll let you lead us into that prayer of anybody who's listening tonight that just needs to break through concept to knowing God's love for them, that needs to know His power, that is yearning and seeking, maybe facing whatever the, the Lord illuminates in your heart to pray for them. But I want to put this mm-hmm. in the context of something you shared with me even earlier, maybe half a year ago, a year ago. You were in the car. And, of course, you're very well-read, you're theologically informed, you read these great books, but you were touched by just hearing a worship song that struck you. Uh, what a beautiful name, yeah. I believe, the name of Jesus. Yeah. And, and for you, it was just so so ministering to me to hear you say, you know, it really is, it really is that simple. The powerful name of Jesus, our Lord. So share with us that thought and lead us into prayer. Yeah, the... Uh that particular moment, I'll never forget, I was driving actually to teach a course at the seminary, and I'm listening to this song. I'm not a big contemporary music guy, but anyway, bottom line is, it was a song that exalted the beautiful, powerful name of Jesus, and the reality of there's no rival, there's no equal, uh, he's done it all, uh, and he loves us each so perfectly, powerfully, consistently, and... Um, and it was just one of those moments where I opened my heart to him, and I just sensed it. I just want to pray right now for anyone who's listening, and for you to know Jesus Christ is God the Father, your Creator, your Father's communication to you. That He's He's come coming for you. He's knocking at the door. He loves you. You belong to Him. You're totally precious in His eyes. He will never change that posture toward you. He's not fickle. He's not up and down. He's not distant and far. He loves you. And it's so important to be able to push back the lies of the enemy and the lies of our flesh and say, I'm not lovable. He doesn't love me. How could he? I've made so many mistakes. I've fallen so many times. I'm ashamed of myself. He must be ashamed of me. Whatever those thoughts are, I've had them. You know, I know some of you have had them. He wants you just to say, look, I know you. I've come to save you. I know those battles, and I don't judge you. I don't condemn you. I come to draw you into my heart because I want to bring you home to my Father. Mm. I want you to have everything I have in total freedom, joy. And friends, it's so important to just say tonight, Jesus, I trust in you. Mm. Jesus, I accept that truth. In my pain, in my doubt, in my confusion, I make a decision of my will and my heart tonight. I welcome you, Jesus. 
I trust you. I entrust my life to you. Yes, forgive me, Lord, but receive that forgiveness, friends. He wants to forgive you 70 times, 7 times a day, right? Open your heart and let his word be truth for you. Let that good news be your good news. Receive it, accept it, and walk in it each day. Fight every morning. Get up and say, you know what? This is real. God is real. Before everything else rushes into your mind and heart at the beginning of the day, start there. God is real. He sent his son for me. He loves me. He has saved me. I'm his child, and soon I'm going to be home. Even if you live a hundred years, soon you're going to be home with him. Let that sink into your heart day by day. And if you have a heart just every day, Lord, pour more of your spirit into my heart. Pour your love into my heart. I'm yours. I belong to you. And live in it. Ask Our Lady to help you. And get on your knees every morning. That's what I've been doing, you know. Since the 100th anniversary, just praying that simple prayer in my office first thing in the morning. Father, I believe in you, I adore you, I hope in you, and I love you, and I pray for all those who don't believe in you, don't adore you, don't hope in you, and don't love you. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Folks, we're so blessed that you are with us tonight, tuned in, and uh, blessed to have you with us tonight, Peter. We wish abundant outpouring of blessings on you and Deb and your entire family and your mission there. And uh, folks, again, just what a blessing we have to share this community together, to seek God's grace, to uh, be mindful that God would not ask us to pray this prayer, that his kingdom come and his will be done without providing the means to fulfill it. So all the more, let's just be united in prayer for one another, for continued outpouring of His Holy Spirit. May it pour forth in your marriage, pour forth in your families. May it uh, overflow and reclaim your homes for Him into our communities and uh, hopefully into the whole world that this might be a holy Toledo. Thanks so much for joining us in this mission. Abundant Advent and Christmas blessings.